Hey, welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Cross Church Podcast. On Thanksgiving Sunday, 2019, Pastor Alan shared the second message in our series, Thank You, Father. If you are struggling right now, Pastor Alan is going to show you that God wants you to focus on Him and watch as He works things together for His glory. Enjoy. So, January 31st, 1957, Governor General Vincent Massey declared a proclamation stating, a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with, with which Canada has been blessed is to be observed on the second Monday in October. And so we have been practicing this, this holiday called Thanksgiving since 1957. But actually, if you go back in the records, you'll see that we've been doing it actually for hundreds of years. Some would say even back to the 1500s in North America. So Thanksgiving, as you may or may not know, is absolutely a biblical idea. This idea of stopping to say thank you, God, for your goodness and your faithfulness. So on this Thanksgiving Sunday, I ask you, what are you thankful for? What is it that you are thankful about? And you may say to me, Pastor Allen, what are you thankful for? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because uh, I want to share something with you that uh, happened to us. Some of you know that we were not here last week. Gloria and I, every fall, get away for a little, uh, a little retreat just for the two of us. We spend a lot of time just walking and praying. Uh, we pray anywhere between an hour and two hours every day. We pray for the church. We pray for our families. Uh, we pray uh, for ourselves. And a, a good part of that prayer time is giving thanks to God for his faithfulness and his love. But at the end of our vacation, uh, we, we come back to Winnipeg, and uh, some of you may have seen this in the news. Uh, that is our airplane. Uh, it's maybe hard for you to see it in that picture. It's kind of grainy. And the reason for that is because that airplane is actually two kilometers away from the terminal. Uh, this is the plane that we flew in on, and that's as close as that airplane got to the terminal. Well, what happened? Well, when we landed, the airplane actually uh, began to slide and slid right off the runway, and it came to a, a stop, and uh, being the reporter that I am, I got my phone out to take pictures and poked my, my head uh, just at the window there and got a picture of the engine on the ground. So this is the engine. It's actually sitting on the ground. And so we knew something was wrong. And everything, everybody's quiet. Nothing's happening. And then we uh, were, were told the news. Um, that is a view out of the plane. So you can see that the engine there is off the ground quite a bit. Yeah, on the, so the whole thing was tilted like this. And we realized uh, in that moment that uh, it, could have been, it could have been a serious disaster. And so here it is. Here's the airplane. Here's, uh, this is actually, I think, is a city of Winnipeg uh, director because they had to get buses from, had to get the buses from wherever, and, uh, and uh, they brought them out to, to the airplane, which is two kilometers away from, from the terminal. And, you know, we look at that and we give God thanks. Now, f for some of us, we, uh, 
we're focused on the negative and rather than seeing God's goodness and his faithfulness in a situation like this, um, I think some of us are in the habit of seeing the negative. And, uh, and I thought to myself, uh, you know, we, we, were, we were, thankfully, we were uh, upgraded to premium, which means we sat right at the very front of the plane. And if you've ever sat at the front of the plane, you know that you get meals when everybody else gets crackers or nothing. Uh, we got meals back there, up there. We were first ones on, and, and we were supposed to be the first ones off. But in this situation, as you can see, we're not getting off the plane from the front. We're getting off from the back. And so here we are uh, in premium, and we're the last ones off the plane, forced to wait. Now, some people would, would grumble and complain about that. Hey, this isn't fair. Uh, I, we paid top dollar to be sitting in premium, and look what's happening. I wonder this morning, how, how do you see life? How do you, how do you look at it? Do you see the negative or do you see God's provision, God's kindness, God's faithfulness, his help? Because I can tell you right now that if you are not in the habit of seeing God's faithfulness, if you're not in the habit of seeing the good things that God is doing in your life, then you're gonna be a person who constantly struggles in his or her walk with God. And I'm gonna demonstrate that to you in just a moment. This series, uh, this is the second in the, in the series called Thank You, Father. Last week, Pastor Chris talked about how important it is for us as Christians to, to actually cause other people to give thanks to God. I don't know if you know this or not, but we as Christians really are agents of thanksgiving. We are either giving God thanks or we're causing other people to give God thanks. That's, that's really who we are as children of God. Jesus said that, didn't he? Uh, when he, uh, when he gave his Sermon on the Mount, he talked about how we, we, we do kindness, we do good things for others to cause people to praise our Father in heaven. So we're either praising God or we're causing people to praise God. So let me ask you this question. Uh, are you living your life in such a way that it causes other people to praise God? Because that's your job. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And the next question is this. Do you complain or do you give God thanks for his provision, for his kindness, for the good things that you have? Now, this seems very maybe elementary. You might think, oh, can't we get something a little deeper this morning? But I'm gonna tell you, what I'm saying is very simple, but it's very profound. Because if you are a person that has learned to live a life with an attitude of gratitude, it's a game changer. It changes everything about how you live. And I wanna show that to you this morning. Before I go further, let me just say this. God is a God who wants to be known as one who keeps his word who never fails. He's a God who, when he makes a promise, does not break that promise ever. God is faithful. Even when we're unfaithful, God remains faithful, Paul says to Timothy, because he cannot disown himself. This is who God is. And so if you come to church this morning, you're, you wanna learn something about God, here's what you need to know. God is faithful. 
God is faithful. He does not break his promises. Now, the very first promise that we, uh, that we come across, um, I shouldn't say it's the very first promise, but it's the first promise for God's people, put it that way. We find it with Abraham. God calls Abraham out of his homeland and says, Abraham, I want you to go where I tell you to go. Some of you know the story. If you've read, read uh, Genesis, and you know what I'm talking about. So Abraham, in obedience to God, says, God, I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do. And Abraham leaves his homeland, and he's, he takes his wife, and he's ready to go where God is going to lead him. Now, he doesn't even really know what's going on. But God, on the way, tells Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. In fact, your offspring are going to be so, so great so plenteous, it will be like the stars in the heavens or like the grains of sand on the seashore. You, you will just simply won't be able to count them. They'll be so great. And furthermore, I'm gonna give you a land, a land of your own. We've come to know that land as the promised land or as we call it today, Israel. This was the promised land. This was a land God promised to Abraham. But here's what you need to know. Abraham did not receive that land right away. In fact, he didn't receive it in his lifetime. And that's really where my message really begins. Because this is really a story about the faithfulness of God and how he fulfills his promise to Abraham. So we get to a person by the name of Joshua. Joshua has inherited the leadership of Israel the one who had been leading Israel uh, just before Joshua took charge was a man by the name of Moses. Some of you have heard him, heard of him. Moses, uh, he is the one that delivered Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And you know the story of how Egypt was, uh, was uh, inundated with plagues, 10 plagues, and the 10th was the death of the firstborn uh, Egyptians. Moses leads Israel Israel out of Egypt, uh, God, God tells Moses the direction that he should go. Moses scratches his head and says, well, this doesn't really make sense, God, because where you're leading me to, uh, there's no way for us to get to the wilderness. There's a sea between us and the wilderness. God says, never mind, go where I'm telling you to go. Moses gets there, and there's a sea, and there's the their chariots and the armies of Pharaoh behind the children of Israel. The children of Israel now are terrified what is going on. But God provides a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day that stands between Moses and the children of Israel and the Egyptians. So for the moment, Israel seems to be safe. At the moment... They seem to be okay, but they're still terrified because they can hear, literally hear the chafing of, of Pharaoh's horses. They can hear the clinking of armor. They can hear those chariots rattling, and they are terrified. God, we are stuck between a rock and a hard place. Now, let me ask you today, are you stuck between a rock and a hard place? Are you in a position right now where there's, you don't know how, which direction you're gonna go and you feel, man, life is really impossible at the moment. How many know that when, when things are impossible with men, uh, things, are, things are possible with God? Everybody knows that this morning? 
So here is, here is Moses and the children of Israel. Moses has got, the Bible says, over 600 men and their wives and children. So, I mean, we're, we're looking at maybe a couple, couple to three, four million people. And Moses is responsible for these four million people who do not have an army, who do not have weapons to speak of. They, they really are, uh, they're just slaves that just got out of Egypt. What are they gonna do? Now let the Spirit of God speak to you right now because you may feel you're between a rock and a hard place. You may feel, God, I don't have the equipment necessary to get me through what I'm going through right now. But here's what you need to know. You've got God on your side. God loves you and he has not forgotten about you. God wants to teach the Israelites an important lesson. He wants to teach them that wherever they are, whatever they're going through, God is still in charge. And by the way, if you're here this morning, this is a word for you. God wants you to know he's still in charge. He hasn't forgotten about you. So God says uh, to Moses, because Moses is God, I don't know what I'm gonna do. He's maybe panicking a little bit. He's scratching his head. Did I, did I get the wrong message? Did I get the wrong email? God, did, did, did I miss something? We're, what's going on? And God tells Moses what to do next. And you know the story how Moses puts his, his staff in the water, and the next thing you know, the Red Sea parts, and all the children of Israel, they're like, what's going on now? And God says to Moses, take them across. And the Bible says that not only did God part the water, but the ground dried up so that they were able to easily cross across the bed, the, the Red Sea bed. Now, what an experience that would have been. And now you would think, if that had happened to you, we'll never forget that, right? Could you imagine at the Red Sea, if, if Red River, at the Red River all of a sudden parted in the middle? You would never forget that, would you? That would be something you would tell your kids and your grandkids about, and you'd say, it happened, I saw it with my own eyes. Funny how people are. Funny how we forget things. Israel gets across the Red Sea, and the, the Bible says then at that moment, God lets the chariots of Pharaoh come through, and when they're right in the middle of the sea, the water closes up, and they're all drowned, and that's the end of that. But this is just the beginning of Israel's journey through the wilderness. And Joshua, this young man who, is, who becomes Moses' assistant, really, is being mentored by Moses, not knowing what God has in store for Joshua. Joshua's watching all this. He's seeing the faithfulness of God. He's seeing that God is a God who keeps his promise. He's seeing that God will not fail his people. God gets Moses to lead the children through, through the wilderness. And we haven't got time to stop at all the places and all the events along the way, but suffice it to say that Moses gets Israel safely to the border of the promised land. Right at the border of Canaan. And Moses sends in the spies to check it all out. And uh, the spies come back. And Joshua, wonderful Joshua, and his friend Caleb, they say, this is gonna be a piece of cake. Well, sure, the other spies are saying, well, the, the, the people in the land are giants. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. The, the, the fruit is so massive, we can hardly carry it. I mean, this really is a land that flows with milk and honey, but there's no way on earth that we can take this land. Maybe that's you today. 
You think that what's ahead of you is impossible. There's no way that you're going to make it. There's no way. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. There's no sense even praying about it because there's no way you could get through that. But here's Joshua who has learned the habit of acknowledging God's faithfulness. Here's Joshua, who's in the habit of saying, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Rather than grumbling and complaining, he's giving God thanks every step of the way. Where others see tragedy, where others see potential damage and potential uh, failure, Joshua only sees the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Rather than focusing on his circumstances and on people, because that's what we do, don't we? We're either focusing on circumstances or we're focusing on people who are causing us trouble or we focus on people whom we think are going to deliver us from our trouble. Here's what you need to understand about the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. You gotta keep your focus on him and on him alone. So Joshua comes back with a good report and Caleb too, yes, we can do this, but the Israelites, there's no way we're not doing this. Moses, how could you do this? They're ready to kill Moses. You brought us all the way here to be killed. We wish we were back in Egypt. Well, God now is listening to this conversation and God is so angry at the Israelites, he says, that's it. None of you are going in. In fact, the only ones that are going to be allowed in are Joshua and Caleb. They're the only ones that are going to get in. The rest of you are all going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because the next generation needs to understand what it means to put their faith in God. Can I just remind everybody something right now? Very, very important. The only way that you and I are going to make it into the promised land is by putting our faith in God. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about, promised land? Are we taking a trip to Israel? Well, talk to my father-in-law. He can help you do that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about eternal life. I'm talking about making it to the real promised land, which is an eternity with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about heaven. And the only way that you can go there is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. The children of Israel refused to put their faith in God. And for that, they wandered. Now, Moses has done his job. 40 years are up. That whole generation is dead, except Joshua and Caleb. And God says, it's time, Joshua. It's time. It's time. Oh, and by the way, Moses, you're not going in. Because you you failed me, Moses. You dishonored my name. The only ones going in are Joshua, Caleb, and this next generation. So Joshua's thinking, oh my goodness. Moses has led us for all these years. I can't do this. Let the Spirit of God speak to you right now because some of you are thinking, I can't do this. I can't do this thing that God's asking me to do. That's what Joshua was. But God had a word for Joshua, and you can read about it yourself in Joshua chapter one. And what did God say to Joshua? Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid. Why? Because the Lord, your God, is with you. Now, I want the Spirit of God to speak to you right now because I'm telling you that today. Don't be afraid. Be strong and have good courage because the Lord, your God, is with you. 
The thing that you have to do, though, is you have to learn how to get your focus on him and stay focused, stay connected to our God. Here's what Joshua says when he comes to the end of his life. He says, soon I will die, going the way of everything on earth. Deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. Now, listen to me, everybody. This is, this is not just uh, wishful thinking. This is not just, generally speaking, this is how it works. No, Joshua is making a declaration. Every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. What you need to know today is that the promises of God's word, are you can go to the bank with them. You can, you can bank on it, knowing that when God says that, that he will supply all your needs through his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, that's exactly what he's gonna do. If God declares you saved, then you are saved. You're going to heaven. I've, I, I've, I've been at the deathbed of, of, of many, many people over the years. And I'll say to the person who's dying, are you ready to meet the Lord? And they say, well, I hope so. So well, this is not a good thing. If you're not sure, it means you don't know the promises of God. You don't know the truth. I got to make sure that you understand that you can know for sure that you're going to be with Jesus. And they'll say, well, how can I be sure? I said, well, it's very simple. All you do is you put your faith in Jesus Christ and not in yourself. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Allen? Well, it means that you're not going to depend on your own works. You can't say to God, hey, God, I lived a pretty good life. I think I deserve entrance. That's not going to wash. What's going to get you into heaven, my friends, is that you put your faith in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, whoever puts his faith in him or her faith in him, will not perish but have everlasting life. This is the promise of God. And here's what Joshua says. Every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. Remember, Joshua has been following Moses around for over 40 years. He has seen God's provision. When the children of Israel were hungry, what did God do? He sent manna from heaven. You know what manna means? What is it? There's what is it all over the ground. And all they have to do is go pick it up. That's God's provision. God is faithful. He does not break his promises. And if you're sitting here today and you say, well, that's not my experience. Well, I'm gonna tell you this morning how you can know that as your experience. But before I do, I need just to remind you of something. Gratitude makes us focus on God. So I told you that Gloria and I get away every October for a retreat, just the two of us, to pray, to reconnect, to, to make plans for the future, the things that we need to do, uh, just to ask God what he wants of us. And uh, we, like I said, we spend at least an hour, two hours every day praying, praying for many of you here today, praying for the church in general. But a great part of our prayer time is actually worship, where we just we just consider God's faithfulness. And we, we thank him. Has anybody ever heard the hymn, Count Your Blessings? Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. 
The problem with so many of us is rather than counting our blessings, we count all the things that are wrong in our lives. Well, here's the thing. When Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father in heaven, this is the first petition in that prayer. A lot of us, we skip over it because we think, oh, that's just, a, just an introduction to a prayer. We want to get on to the part where we're asking God to, to give us what we need, and we want to get on to the part where we ask God to forgive us for our sins, and, and we want to ask God to, to, that his will would be done. But we, we miss that very key part of the prayer where, where we say, our Father in heaven. What is that all about? Well, I'm going to tell you what it's about. It's a focus on God. It's a focus on the Father. Because for so many of us, when we go into prayer, here's what we do. We focus on all our problems, isn't it? Isn't that the reason we pray? Because I got my problems. I got to get to my problems. I got to get to all these problems before the God. I got to give, give God, I got to give him my shopping list of things, of all the things that I want and all the things I want him to do. And I, I got to tell God how to get the job done. That's what, that's what prayer is for so many people. And if that's what your prayer is, then look at, you just need to be educated. Your prayer needs to begin with a focus on the Father, our Father in heaven. The, our Father in heaven is the creator of the universe, of the heavens and the earth. Do you not think that the one who created the heavens and the earth knows how to take care of you? So when you go into prayer, the first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna say, God, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my father. Thank you that I can come to you with my prayer requests, with my petitions, with all my needs. I know some people think they're so spiritual. Pastor Ellen, when I pray, I, I never talk about myself. I, I never bring my needs to the Lord. I, I, just, uh, I, just, I just pray for other people, but I, I'm so spiritual, I never even mention myself. Well, you're not spiritual. It's, that's utterly, it's utterly stupid. And I'll tell you why. Because it's God's idea that you go to him with your prayer requests. Jesus says this. He says, ask. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. It's God's will that you come to him with all your petitions, with all your prayer requests, with all your needs. But before you start asking, you gotta focus on God and thank him for the things he's already given you. This is what Joshua, this is how Joshua lived. This is the way that Joshua was able to keep his head and do the things that God wanted him to do. It's the same thing with Moses. The only way that Moses could stay focused, the only way that Moses was able to lead these six million people and not lose sight of the calling and not lose hope and not lose courage is because he was focused on the God who always keeps his promises. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We learn what it means to trust God. So where did Joshua learn that every promise of the Lord is true? How did he learn that not a single one of God's promises failed? Well, he learned it from Moses, didn't he? And here's what Moses says at the end of his life. This, this is what Joshua says at the end of his life. Here's what Moses says at the end of his life. God is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. 
Joshua learned that from Moses. Now, I'm going to just stop for a moment and remind every parent here, every grandparent, your job is to pass on to the next generation this truth. You know that you've done your job well if your children and your grandchildren and your friends and anybody who knows you, your Sunday school class, if they understand that God is just and fair and he's faithful, he will not let us down. This is your job. It was so nice yesterday um, at a family dinner uh, just to have everybody at the table, three generations speaking about God's faithfulness and saying what they're thankful for. Wow, that was so thrilling for me. Why, what are we doing? We're getting our focus on God. The problem with our generation is that we are focusing on ourselves, we're focusing on our circumstances, but Christians understand that you have to focus on God who is faithful, who will not let us down. So you say, well, Pastor Allen, how do I do that? Well, very simply, by doing what that old hymn says. Count your blessings, name them one by one. One of the things that I love about praying uh, with glory about is, is that we, we spend there's so much time uh, to just give God thanks and to acknowledge his faithfulness and his goodness. We are, Gloria and I are constantly amazed at the way that God has provided for us and how he's helped us through so many different circumstances and issues that we've had to deal with over the years. He's always been faithful. So, how did Moses learn this? Well, because he saw the hand of God at work guiding the children of Israel even as they went through the wilderness for 40 years. Can you imagine going through the wilderness for 40 years? There's, there's, again, there's, there's no Costco that you can go to along the way. There's no superstore. Well, you wouldn't want to go there anyway. Uh, there's, there's, there's just nothing. There's, there's absolutely nothing. But God provided. He brought, provided water for the, for the children of Israel. He provided, uh, just say hi for me, uh, he provided, he provided manna, he provided uh, meat for them, provide, everything they needed, they, it was provided. And not only that, but he provided them with protection. Wow. And more than that, there's a story, there's a story about how children of Israel wandering uh, or, or preparing to go to the promised land. Again, no army, no weapons. And along the way, the king of Moab sees that they're coming and he's terrified because he's heard what God has done for the children of Israel while they were in Egypt. God's reputation goes ahead of God's people. Did you know that? God's faithfulness for God's people is, is epic. And so here is, here is Moses with the children of Israel and the king of Moab now wants to do something to stop Israel. It's the king of Moab wants to do something to protect them. So what does he do? He says, I know I'm going to hire Balaam. Now, Balaam, was, uh, he was uh, like a soothsayer or a, 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 like a magi or a magician, uh, uh, like a, a fortune teller, that sort of thing. He was like a psychic 
involved in the dark, dark magic and that sort of thing. Some would say he was even a prophet. Not a, pro, not a godly prophet, but, a, but a, somebody who, who functioned in the supernatural. So Mo, the king of Moab, Balak, says to, Moab, uh, to, to Balaam, listen, you need to go and curse Israel because I know I can't attack them because they got God on their side. Hey, listen, how many know today that, that, uh, that Satan knows that we have God on our side? You know that, right? If you've read through the Psalms like I told you to do, you would know that, that you and God are a majority. You know that, right? Yeah, so against you, there's, there's, there's no weapon formed by the hands of men that can prevail, and there's no weapon formed by hell that can prevail against God's people. Hallelujah. So the king of Moab says, I know I'm going to curse these people and put an end to them, and so he hires Balaam, and uh, Balaam says, sure, I, I'm ready to make a lot of money. Let's do this thing. Let's curse Israel and put an end to God's people. The problem is, is that Israel has got God on their side. Hey, if you're here today and you think, man, I'm, I'm, my life is in danger. I, I, hell, hell can rise up against me and, and, and you're, you're trying to rebuke the, I mean, this, there's a movement. There was a movement some years back where Christians were going around rebuking the devil, casting the devil out everywhere. Hey, listen, if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ and the spirit of the living God dwells within you, Satan has no power. He's a defeated foe. You have nothing to be afraid of. Did you hear that? Yes. You have nothing to be afraid of. Don't even talk to him. Some people say, well, I talked to the devil, and I told him where to go, and I told him what to do, and I stamped on his foot and all. Just ignore him. Keep your eyes on Jesus, and I'm going to tell you, you will be safe and sound. So here's Balaam ready to, ready to put the curses on Israel. But God comes to Balaam in a dream and says, don't do it. You, you better not do that. And Balaam thinks, oh, come on, please. <laughs> God says, no, you can't do it. And Balaam knows that, he, that this is the God of Israel talking to him. So Balaam pleads with God, and God says, okay, go ahead. So Balaam says, okay, good. We're going to go curse Israel. Everybody, let's go. So he says, Balak, let's do our thing. And Balak gets the prophets together and set up seven altars and they, they, they make their offerings to the, to the dark lord of the underworld, Baal, a horrible, wicked god and, and, and this wicked priest. And, and Balak and Balaam are ready to curse Israel. Well, long story short, Balaam tries three times to curse Israel. And every time he's about to curse Israel, blessings start coming out of his mouth. He can't control this. And Balak is furious. Look, Balaam, I paid you big bucks. What is going on here? You're supposed to be cursing them, not blessing them. Ah, but then here's what Balaam says, speaking to the Moabite king, Balak. Hey, listen, Balak, God is not a man. So he does not lie. He's not human. So he does not change his mind. Someone say hallelujah. He has, he has, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Is this, are the chills running down your spine like they are me right now? God, whatever God says, he does. He's faithful. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Listen, I received a command by God to bless Israel. And look at this. God has blessed 
and I cannot reverse it. Hallelujah. This, my friends, was Moses' experience. He understood that his God was worthy of all praise and honor and glory. He is the God who brought them safely through the wilderness, surrounded by enemies, surrounded by hostile territory. And I'm not talking just about people, but even the the land itself. And he brought them safely to the promised land. Wow. This is Moses' experience. And so when he tells people that God is faithful, you better listen, because he knows what he's talking about. You and I have got to learn this. We have to learn what it means to walk with an attitude of gratitude, to live with this attitude of gratitude, where we're focusing on the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Paul says this in Romans 8, 31 to 32. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Folks, this is your God. This is why he's worthy of your praise and he's worthy of all thanksgiving because he is on your side. He loves you, he cares for you, and he proved it by giving his own son. This, my friends, is our heritage. This, my friends, is why we give God thanks at all times and all circumstances. But I have to say one thing before I close. Hold on. Not so fast. Both Joshua and Moses give us a warning at the end of their lives. Here's what Joshua says. But as surely as the Lord your God has given you the good things that he promised, he will also bring disaster on you if you disobey him. Oh, Pastor John, did you have to bring this up? (laughs) Can we just stop on that high note? Listen, I, I would not be doing my job if I didn't tell you the full story, the rest of the story. God wants to bless you. He wants you to have joy and peace in your life. He wants you to know his protection. He wants you to know his guidance, his help. But I'm telling you right now, you have to do your part. And your part is to obey God in everything he's told us to do. You have to do his will. This is why we teach moment by moment holiness. This is habit number three, the habits of Jesus. What do we mean by that? It means that you and I are prepared to do God's will every time. I have to do God's will every time. Say it with me. I have to do God's will every time. And folks, I'm going to tell you this right now. This is what it means to walk in obedience. We we are living according to the commands and the direction of Christ. And, And if you're sitting here today saying, I have no idea what that means. Well, then you have to read your Bible like I told you. You can begin with Matthew, particularly the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You need to learn what it means to obey Jesus and do what he tells you to do. And here's the good news. You don't have to figure this out on your own because if you've given your heart to Christ, listen to this, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, leading you, guiding you. 
And you, you, you'll, know, you'll know when you're doing what you're not supposed to do because your heart starts beating faster and you, you feel guilty and you feel something's not right and you don't have joy, you don't have peace. Folks, that's God speaking to you, leading you into obedience, into full obedience. So Joshua says, look, if you want to know the continued blessing and the continued promises of God in your life, then you're going to have to learn what it means to obey God. Now, I've got to tell you something very sobering here. Balaam, Balaam failed to curse Israel because God's blessing was upon them. But Balaam was a crafty dude under the influence of Satan. And here's what Balaam told Balak. Hey, Balak, I, I know how you can get Israel. I know how you can destroy them. Get them to get their eyes off of God. Get them to a place where they stop worshiping God and they stop praising him and giving him thanks. Balak says, well, what do you mean? How do I do this? Balaam said, it's easy. Entice them. Entice them with sexual immorality. Entice them to worship other gods. Let the Spirit of God speak to you right now. Because some of you right now are being enticed away from God. Your eyes are not on God right now. You are right now enticed by sexual immorality and other gods. You say, Pastor, I don't have any other gods. Listen, if you love money more than God, then that's your idol, that's your God. And Jesus says, if you love money more than, if, if you love money, then you're gonna hate God. You can't love them both. And by the way, that is, that is the, the prevailing North American Christianity that says you can have it all. You can have God and money. And Jesus says, no, you can't. So that's exactly what Balak does. Balak entices Israel. That's what it says in Revelation, chapter two, verse 14. Referring, of course, to what happens in Numbers 31 and 16. Hey, listen, it's so easy to forget God and it's even easier to be enticed by the sin of this world. So I'm telling you today, this Thanksgiving series that we're talking about is critical to your spiritual life because here's, here's, here's now the clincher, ready? Are you ready for this? When you are constantly giving praise and thanksgiving to God, when you refrain from complaining, when you stop the complaints and you stop focusing on people who are letting you down, when you stop focusing on people that you think are gonna help you give you a leg up, when you stop focusing on the things of this world and get your focus squarely on God, giving him thanks, thank you, thank you, thank you. When you're spending a good chunk of your prayer time giving God thanks, here's what's happening. What's happening now is faith is arising in your heart. And can I remind you this morning of what faith is? Faith, very simply, is believing God and doing what he says. When you believe God and do what he says, when you obey him, that's when life becomes fantastic. That's when you begin to know God's great blessing, his joy, his peace. Things start going your way. Things start going well for you. By the way, it's not just Joshua who tells us this, Moses does too. Because Moses is the one who saw the falling away through Balak. These instructions, Moses says at the end of his life, these instructions here I'm giving you 
are not empty words. These are not just good ideas. These are not just slogans that you put on your wall. They are your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land that you will occupy when you cross the Jordan River. Let's let God speak to you right now. Your obedience to God is going to be facilitated by your gratitude, by your thanksgiving. What I'm saying is this. Obedience is, is the vehicle that you have to drive, but the fuel that, that makes, it, makes that vehicle go is gratitude and thanksgiving. When you give God thanks, when you praise him constantly, every day, every chance you get, what you're saying is, God, I know you're in charge, and boom, that obedience will be ramped up to the highest degree, and you will be given grace and strength to do all that God has asked you to do. But that only happens when you learn what it means to give thanks to God. I gave my heart to Jesus when I was eight years old. And here's what I can tell you. He has never failed me in 49 years. Would you stand with me, please? God, thank you today for your word. Thank you for this truth that liberates us God, as we concentrate on gratitude and thanksgiving, Father, we pray that it will transform us and help us to see, God, that the God of the universe is in control. The God of the universe is enabling us to live this life of obedience. And we know, according to your word, we know that when we live that life of obedience, we will know the great blessing of God. So we pray today, Lord, change our hearts, change our attitudes. May we go from here not complaining about a single thing. May we go from here rejoicing and giving God thanks. And we pray that in your name. And everyone said it with me. Yeah. Tell the person beside you, go give thanks.